Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You have food, you have clothing, maybe you have some shelter. With these, we shall be content. Let's just be satisfied with that. If God blesses you with more, praise God. Praise God. If he's blessed you with money, if you are rich, he's going to say it in a second. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel bad about that. I have friends who have lots of money, and they use it for the kingdom of the Lord. They use it for his glory. In today's message, Pastor James will share with you about wealth and the dangers that can come with it. Now, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy or having financial goals. The danger comes from idolizing money and your goals. The Bible says that if God will care for the birds, how much more will He care for you? If you have food, clothes, and shelter, then praise God. He's given you all that you need, and you can be content in that. And if God should choose to bless you even more, all the more praise to Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. It's not wrong for people to desire, in one sense, to be rich, okay? In the sense of if you have goals to like, well, maybe, maybe the goal should be debt-free, right? Like, for me, that's, that's it. Like, I don't need a lot of money. Um, I don't need a lot of money. Uh, I just, I want to be in a life where I have what I need, and that's it. That's it. Um, I'm not looking to get a bunch of money. I'm not looking to, I grew up, like I said before, I grew up super bored. I know what that feels like. Um, I don't want to go back to that. Um, but I know what it's like to stand in line at free food handouts because you have nothing to eat at your house. I know what that's like. I've been there. I lived that life. You know what? I think the goal for us as believers, if you can sum up all this, this little section here is, uh, you have food, you have clothing, maybe you have some shelter. Um, with these, we shall be content. Let's just be satisfied with that. If God blesses you with more, praise God. Praise God. If he's blessed you with money, if you are rich, he's going to say it in a second. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel bad about that. I have friends who have lots of money, and they use it for the kingdom of the Lord. They use it for his glory, right? And that's an awesome thing. That's cool to see that. But there's a warning there. Don't pursue, don't give, don't throw everything away to pursue this thing that so many are, are in pursuit of, and it's not bringing them satisfaction. Just read any story about any professional athlete, and it's going to come up. It's going to come up. I mean, famously, guys have attained to everything. They've gotten everything. Super Bowls, multi-million dollar contracts. Are you happy? No. No, Tom Brady famously said that after a Super Bowl. You got it all. You got a supermodel wife. You got millions and millions of dollars. You just won the Super Bowl. Are you happy? Are you satisfied? No. It's not enough. It's not enough. I mean, how many of those stories do we have to hear before it clicks for us of like, you know what? I, don't, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. Maybe I should just pursue God. I'm going to pursue God. 
And in, in, in our following of him, if he is a good father, he will take care of his children and our needs. And he does. He does. So pursue him. And whatever happens, whatever your lot may be in this life, praise God for it. Praise God for that. Maybe it's you have a lot. Maybe it's just you have what you need. Well, praise God, we have what we need. So this last little section here, he's going to wrap all this up. This last final encouragement to Timothy and to us as well. But you, O man of God, I like that. Young man Timothy, remember just a few chapters ago, he would, Paul was encouraging Timothy, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth, right? He had people in his church looking down on him because he's young, right? What does this young punk know? He didn't know as much as I do. That was happening in Timothy's church that he took over from the apostle Paul. And here, here's Paul, and this letter will be read to the church that Paul is talking about. Never forget that. Here's Timothy. And what does Timothy got to do? He gets to read First Timothy to his congregation, right? How, how cool is that? I mean, just take a second and think about that as you read through the Bible, right? Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and then Timothy gets to take this letter and say, okay, hey, I got something to say, all right? This is from the Apostle Paul, who's been inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and here's a message for me and for you guys. Um, how like surreal would that have been in that moment? He's reading the Bible to his church congregation, like for the first time ever. Uh, first, the message of First Timothy. Um, please know it wasn't called that back then. It wasn't titled that. Okay, um, but here he is, Paul saying, "Timothy, man of God, man of God." He's watched Timothy grow. He, he probably was the guy who led Timothy to the Lord. Right? Timothy had a good mom and a good grandma um, who loved the Lord. Timothy. Uh, as a young man, joined in with Paul. And so Paul has got to watch this young man grow into a man of God. That's the goal. That's the goal, right? Who do you have in your life? Who's in your life that you are watching go from a young woman or a young man and grow into a young woman of, or a woman of God or a man of God, okay? Um, discipleship. Discipleship is going to make the difference in, church, in the church, okay? Especially in this day and age. When we pour our lives into the others, who's your one? Who do you got? Who's your one? You need your one. Find him. Find him. Find her. If you're a woman, find her. Okay? If you're a guy, find him. That's how it is. Okay? That is how it is. You have to have your one. Have to have your one. You have to have your one you're pouring your life into, like Paul to Timothy. You have to. Period. Done. You have to. I'm telling you right now, I'm exhorting you. I'm kind of being a little bossy with it because it matters to me. You have to do this. Have to do this. It's the Great Commission. Make disciples. Make disciples. So who's our one? Who are we pouring into? Paul was pouring into Timothy, and he gets to say, you man of God. And he says to him, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> flee these things. Flee all the stuff. Flee the, the, the arguments and the, the, all the stuff, the dissension, and flee all that nonsense and, you know, all this, you know, um, intellectualism that was prevailing through the church at that point in time, the Gnosticism and, and all that, all that nonsense. It's garbage. It's garbage. The, the pursuit of money and the pursuit of wealth, which was prevalent at that point in time within the churches and within leaders of the churches, 
It's all garbage. Leave it alone. Have nothing to do with it. Be like Joseph with Potiphar's wife. You turn and burn, man. You just run away. I don't care if you got clothes on or not. You are running away from that, from these scenarios. Run away from them. Flee these things. Pursue. You don't just flee into nothing, right? You just go running into nothing. No, you're purposeful. We as believers need to be purposeful in the things that we pursue. We don't just pursue anything and everything. We're purposeful in what we pursue. And as Timothy, as a young minister, Paul is exhorting him to pursue righteousness, right living, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. You can't be a pastor and not be pursuing these things. You're not going to make it. You won't make it. Um, For Timothy in this church, for any pastor who's ever lived since then, if you're not pursuing these things, you're not going to make it. There's no chance. You have no chance at all. None at all. None at all. There's no way. There's no way. How can you? You can't do. You can't serve the Lord and not be pursuing righteousness. It's just you just can't. Or godliness. Or faith. My goodness, how much faith does it take to pursue the Lord and to serve the Lord? It takes. Um, it just maybe it's a small mustard seed, but man, that's that's still a lot. Like you got to be pursuing faith. You have to be pursuing love. They don't come naturally. You have to be pursuing patience. Oh, no, we don't like that one. No, patience doesn't just happen. You've got to pursue it. Be patient. Be gentle. Handle individuals with gentleness. You have to pursue it, though. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good faith. I love that. I love, I, listen, this is going to sound bad, but, um, I love fighting. Not like bad illegal fighting, but I love like fighting. I love, I just love, there's something about it like fighting. You've got to fight like, and in Christianity, we're in a battle. We fight. We're supposed to be fighters. We're supposed to be fighters. And I've heard it said before, like, no, we don't fight. And no, Paul says to Timothy, you fight the good fight of faith, of faith. This doesn't mean that in your own strength. He's not saying that. He's not saying you go out and find battles to fight. He's saying, no, listen, in your faith, in your, your relationship with Jesus, you fight because you have an enemy who's trying to kill you. You fight. Fight. You don't lay down. You don't get into the fetal position and say, oh, I just hope I make it through this to get to heaven. No, you stand up and you fight. People need you to fight the good fight of faith. Our children need us to fight the good fight of faith. Our grandkids need to see that. This world, man, there has not been a a more important time in history, I believe, where the world needs the church to fight the good fight of faith. I think we're just doing this. I think too much. We're just kind of taking a step into the background saying like, well, we can't win this thing. Why even try? Nonsense. It's nonsense. We fight the good fight of faith. There's people dying all around us, and they're going to hell. We fight the good fight of faith because it's worth fighting for. It is worth fighting for. Paul's telling Timothy, man, you fight, Timothy. He had maybe an issue with being timid. And Paul's saying, no, you be bold. You be courageous. You fight. You fight. That's what you do. 
You hold fast to that confession, that good confession in the presence of many witnesses in verse 13. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, this is getting serious, okay? In case you don't feel that within the text there, I urge you in the sight of God, God the Father who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, the second part of the Trinity there, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you, Timothy, keep this commandment without spot or blemish, blameless, not perfect, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Fight the good fight. Hold fast to that good confession. What is that all about? It's about the gospel. And it's about, it's, it's about just living a life that's committed to him. And, and it's telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's standing for truth. Pontius Pilate, you, don't, you want to know what truth is? Jesus is truth. That's what truth is. You, there is no truth. We can't know. We know truth, and his name is Jesus. We stand fast on that. We hold fast to that confession. In a world that we don't know what truth is anymore, we're questioning everything. We hold fast to, the, to truth, to Jesus, that great confession. We hold fast to these things. Verse 15, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed and only potentate or sovereign. This is another way to say that. We don't hear potentate anymore, do we? Um, who's blessing only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, complete, pure holiness, whom no man has ever seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. A nice little encouragement for Timothy as a little pastor. Timothy, you fight the fight. You hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to this great confession. You don't give up. You do not give up. You don't give up. And let me encourage you guys. You don't give up. You, you give up in this sense. Give up trying to do it on your own and surrender to Jesus. But when you surrender to Jesus, you don't give up on Jesus because Jesus will never give up on you. You have no bigger cheerleader in this world, in this universe, than Jesus Christ himself who's saying, that's my boy, that's my girl. You get up, you keep fighting, go for it. Run the race. We run as, as like these, all these Santa Clauses out there running this marathon. We run not just to like finish, no, we run to win. We run to cross that line. We run for him, for his glory. That's just what we do. Last little encouragement there. One little last exhortation, and then we wrap this up. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, which they are. They're uncertain. Ask anybody in California from the years 2007 till about the years now. Um, I had a lot of family out there. Uh, do not trust in, in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy Let there be enjoyment in your life. Please, as a Christian, you should be enjoying what God has given you. Please do that. Let that be in your vocabulary. Verse 18, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. So for Timothy, the guys who are in your church who do have money, encourage them to just use it wisely. We don't hold fast to these things because they can easily slip through our hands. 
wealth and riches, they can eat, they're here today and gone tomorrow. But while we have them today, well, let's use them for the kingdom of God. Let's, let's be generous with what God has blessed us with. Because anybody who has uh, an excess within concerning riches and wealth, you have it because of God, okay? So use it for his glory is all he's saying there. Share that. If you see somebody in need, help them out. And this is a, a, a kind of like a life verse, so to speak, for some guys. That I have a really good friend of mine who's a doctor. Um, and he's, he's, he has you know, decent living and all that stuff. But man, he, this guy is the most generous man I've ever met in my life. He just gives it away, gives it away. And, he, and even my brother, who you know, is, is a successful businessman, the one thing he told me, he's like, listen, he's like, if I've learned anything, I can't outgive God. He's like, I've tried. He's like, I just, and I've seen them. They give, like, they give stuff away like crazy. He's just giving, 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 giving. And he's like, I can't, the more I give, it just, the Lord, I don't know, the Lord just blesses it. That, what a great mentality. What a great mentality to have. Um, so if you got a lot, well, then use it for the kingdom of God. Don't feel bad for it. Don't feel bad that maybe you've been blessed with, with wealth or riches. Okay, well, then use it rightly. That's all he's saying. And then the last part, O Timothy, verse 20. Guard what has been committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings. Please, my goodness, avoid, avoid the profane and idle babblings. Um, man, if there's anything that, if I could just shout out one thing to the church today, Avoid profane and idle babblings. Ugh. If you only knew. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of teachings from sermons from other believers and Christian podcasts, quote unquote. Some of the most profane things I've ever heard in my life. We can just say one thing. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge Gnostics there. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Last little thing, grace be with you. Amen. So our encouragement, my encouragement for you guys, my encouragement for myself as a, as a young minister, reading through this, this uh, studying through First Timothy and getting to walk through it with you guys. Man, I've been encouraged tremendously through this book. Um, I hope that you guys have been encouraged through it as well. There, there really is a lot in there for us. And, and our takeaway today, I mean, there, there could be so many things, so much. I know it's a big chapter and there's a lot that we covered. Um, but if I could just bullet point it for you guys and giving you something just to kind of take away and apply it, because it doesn't do us any good if we don't put it into practice. Um, where you're at within your work scenario, if you're, if, if you're an employee, be the best employee you can be, all for the glory of God. And if somebody says, man, you, are, you have a great work ethic you're a good hard worker. Where do you get that from? Well, give people credit. If it was mom or dad who taught you how to do that, oh, give them some credit for sure. But ultimately, that conversation needs to end with you praising God and giving glory to God. Okay? I'm a good worker because, man, I think that everything that I do reflects on my relationship with Jesus. And I just want to be a good hard worker. Right? Who knows? That may open up a door for you. If you're a boss and you have employees, be a good boss. I mean, that's, that's, that is in there, um, for sure. Uh, it's not specifically said within this, this letter that Paul wrote, but he, he did write that in other places. If you're good, if you're a boss, be a good boss, right? 
be a good boss. But if you are an employee and you have a boss who's a Christian, don't take advantage of them because they're a believer. Don't do it. That's, that should never happen. It shouldn't happen. We need to be on guard for the ones who are promoting themselves as one thing so that they may be get, so they're really using Jesus to get rich. You need to be on guard for people like that because they're real. They exist. They're out there. Um, you don't need to surround, surround yourself with people like that. Okay. Um, maybe it's a teacher that's out there. I'm not calling out anybody, but maybe there's a teacher that's out there that does that and you find yourself listening to them. Maybe step away from that. Get, there's, we got Calvary Houston guys in this room right now. They have a tremendous radio station that broadcasts good, solid teaching. Good, solid teaching. Listen to solid teachers. Once you, you know, you know, man, when I listen to this person, they're going to teach the word. That's what you want. That's what you want. So be on guard for that. And then as believers, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. This tremendous power dwelling inside of us. This person, the third person, real person of the Trinity. I actually believe that. He's a real person who resides within us. Man, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We fight. We fight, not through our own strength, but through the power that's, with, that's been made available to us. We fight the good fight of faith. Christians should fight the good fight of faith. And if you want to know, well, man, still the slavery thing, and why didn't the church, why weren't they protesting, why weren't they picketing? You, you need to understand this. As the Spirit is residing within them, um, they were having way more effect on slavery by just being obedient and being biblical in how they love people. They were winning the war against slavery that way. You don't have to march. You don't have to protest. You don't have to do any of that stuff. What you need to do, you just need to obey Jesus. That's what the church was doing, and the church was actually making great impact within that very corrupt society in which they live concerning the Roman Empire. They didn't have to do it by shouting at people. They did it by living the life of faith and fighting the good fight of faith and loving people, pursuing Jesus and pursuing others, fulfilling the mission that they were on. That's what we ought to be doing. And let me tell you this, guys, because I can speak to this, um, having experienced this for the past two and a half years now. It'll be almost three years in May. Um, Listen, the Lord's going to call you on to onto a mission. He's got something for you. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. Maybe your mission is raising your kids. That is a mission for sure. Maybe he's called you to do that. Let me just testify to this. He will supply for you what you need to be successful in that mission. He's not going to leave you stranded. I can say that. I, I, I can say that. I lost sight of that, man, working. And it's nothing, nothing at all about but when I was a youth pastor, towards the end, I was losing sight of how faithful God is because I had no need, so I thought. And I forgot, I forgot that, man, I need him every single day in my life. Moving down to Galveston, going on this adventure, planning a church has been the best thing for me because it brought me back to that position of like, oh, yeah, I forgot, you're my father, and you supply for me everything that I need everything that I need. He's calling us on mission. He's got a plan for you in your life. Trust him. Trust him that he will supply all of your needs. 
And sometimes he'll do that exceedingly and abundantly more than what you can think or imagine, okay? Um, He's so awesome. Jesus is so, so, so amazing and so beautiful and so... I just, there's no, there's no words to describe how amazing Jesus is. Commit your life to him. Follow him. Hold fast to that confession. Hold fast to that confession, guys. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of 1 Timothy together. To listen to this message again or to catch up on previous teachings from this New Testament book, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together and pray, encourage, and help one another through this life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken and at Calvary Galveston, the church behind this ministry. If you're looking for a church that you can call home or you simply want to connect and pray with someone, we would love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure and let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us as well. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. We also meet Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For information and directions, visit breadforthebroken.com. We're excited to meet you and to spend some time in worship with you. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. We encourage you to read ahead in 1 Timothy and get ready to learn more when you join us next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you